This is the New Canaan Society podcast for the Franklin, Tennessee chapter. We are a group of men who gather together to encourage each other in friendship and in faith, and to support each other to be better husbands, fathers, and better men in the marketplace and in our communities. Friendship at NCS happens through our regular meetings in local chapters all across the country. The Franklin, Tennessee chapter meets the first and third Thursday each month at Puckett's Grocery and Restaurant in downtown Franklin from 7 to 8 a.m. This podcast is sponsored by Harrington Interactive Media. Working on a book? Let us help you get it to print. We can edit your book, design the cover, and help you list it on Amazon's print-on-demand services. See examples of our work and connect with us at harringtoninteractive.com. In this episode, William Muzwerwa shares his talk called Beautifully Broken, recorded on September 5th, 2019. I've never had, uh, we've never had a speaker where I've had three calls the week before, uh, all three saying, is there any way I could introduce our speaker? And and so what I was going to do was play a trick on these three guys and uh, not tell them that there were three people going to introduce William and have them all come up here at once and just let them work it out. Uh, and Larry Stone kind of blew that surprise, but I am going to ask um, uh, Mark Bortz, come on, uh, and Mark McFerrin. Uh, uh, oh, here's Mark, okay. And you guys work this out, but come on. And then William, uh, if you could make your way up here, we're gonna, we want to get you on here in about five minutes. But uh, I'm going to let Mark and Mark introduce William. Uh, I'm going to invite them to do this, not let them. They can do whatever they want. And then uh, Hal Haddon's going to close us out. But uh, thank you for being with us this morning. Thank you. All right, guys, get out your phones. Come on, get them out and type in this phrase. Get them out. you got phones. Beautifully broken movie. Beautifullybrokenmovie.com. It's very rare that you'll get to hear someone here at NCS and then go home tonight and watch his full two-hour movie. They did a documentary on it in 2014, and then last year they released a movie about it. It's very rare. Why? Because what's getting ready to happen? Again, beautifullybrokenmovie.com. Look that up. In fact, why don't we all watch it at the same time? Get ready. One, two, three. Because if I wish we could watch the trailer first, and then it, your eyes would open up even more, but we'll do it reverse. It's really important. At least watch the, the trailer. So um, when William showed up at Brentwood Academy, a school that I work with and a lot of you guys were part of, his family helped change the culture at Brentwood Academy. Their family did so much for us we all kind of woke up to the, the fact that there's more to life than the good old US of A, and it was in the country called Rwanda. You'll hear about that. In fact, you're going to have to listen really hard, and your brain will, will adjust to his accent. But stay with him, okay? There's another man in this same town called Randy Hartley who couldn't be here today. These two men, their, their paths crossed because they have sons that were in a Boy Scout troop, and they met that way. God's mosaic brought these two Brentwood, Brentwood men together, and they went on a journey that they had no idea they were going to go on, and it helped heal their daughters, their families, and each other. And it was right here in our town. So it's a movie about uh, two, two families here in this town, and then a third family over in Rwanda, and how God's mosaic brings all three of those families together about us fathers. I watched the trailer again this morning. There's a the scene in there where Randy's wife screams out, 
we're losing our daughter. And man, when, when she said that, it made me think of a time in my life and probably your life where there was a time where you were losing your daughter or your son or something. And William's words to Randy, the other father, say, stick with her, man. It's tough being a, it's tough growing up these days. And this is a Rwanda dad talking to a Brentwood dad, right? <laughs> so get ready, men. Okay, Mark, come finish it. There's more to be said. That's my part. But you need to watch the movie. In fact, you can bring him. We did it over uh, at Agape where I work uh, at Lipscomb. We brought Randy and, and William together, watched the movie for a group of people, and then they shared their story. They'll do that in churches, and they're doing that around the country. Okay, they're going to turn the mic off in three minutes, so I have three minutes. <clears throat> in uh, 2006, I have an office in Cool Springs. <clears throat> I'm uh, donating some office space to an organization called Blood Water Mission. And Jenna, the director, says to me several times, <clears throat> anytime you ever want to go to Africa, just let me know. I'm there often. I'd be happy to host you. My, gr my daughter graduates, my daughter, uh, that, you know, I, I didn't lose her, graduates in 2006, and uh, I elect to treat her and her best friend to a trip to Africa. And so we go with the director of Bloodwater <clears throat> to Kenya, and I say that many times uh, this trip was more of a backstage pass to activities that Bloodwater Mission was involved in, meeting with leadership in villages and some of the contractors and uh, well drillers that they were hiring over there to do their work. <clears throat> so um, before we left, we had dinner with um, a guy, his name is Milton, who was a student at Vanderbilt. <clears throat> he was there, uh, he's an aspiring student wanted to be a doctor, and he came from this little village called Lawala in Kenya. And ultimately, I learned that there were two brothers, Milton and Fred, that were graduated out of uh, Vanderbilt as doctors that were both from this little village in, in uh, Kenya called Lawala. So we go to Africa. We spend a few days in Lawala. While we're there, <clears throat> my daughter meets this young man. His name is Japolo. Japolo falls in love with my daughter. <clears throat> we leave, we come home for 10 years. Japolo, every few days, sends an email to my daughter. He goes to the little elementary school there in their village and uses the computer, sends emails back and forth to my daughter. And so one day he sends a note and says, I'm going to be in Nashville, I want to meet with you. And so <clears throat> they schedule a date. That day my telephone rings, there's a young lady on the other end of the telephone, she says, my name is Ame, and I have Jipolo with me, and we're looking for your home. Can you give me your address? And so I give her my address, and she responds with, my father lives right next door to you. <laughs> and so I don't know Ame, and I don't know her father, but Ame and Jipolo show up in my driveway we hang out, have a wonderful time, reminiscing about 10 years ago in Lawala. And then Amay says, let's walk down and meet my father. And that's, that's, <laughs> that's when we walked down the driveway to William's driveway. And that's when I met William. And I say all the time, I had to go around the world <laughs> to Africa to meet my neighbor, William. And to understand the impact that he has on the world. And so I encourage you to go to your neighbor today. Maybe the guy that's sitting next to you and knock on the door. Tell him what you do. Ask him what he does. 
And you might find an inspiring story like William's, and it's an honor for me to bring William Mozara to the stage. Good morning. My name is William Mwizerwa. There are a few who can say it. So I'll go by William. So I uh, thank God for being here and thank you for having me. Talking about neighbors. So this morning, I think it's a wonderful day to invite you to know your neighbors. I'm here from Rwanda. All my time in Rwanda, I didn't have any plan to come to, to come live here. I get out of Rwanda by tragedy, which happened in 1994. A genocide happened April 6. In 100 days, we lost a million of people in their country. I lost many of my families. I lost my parents. I lost yeah, we lost a lot. God preserved my life and my family life. So we ran out, we went to Kenya, and from Kenya I get a chance to come here. That is the beginning of the whole story. By miracle, I knew just one person who left Kenya one year before me and came to Nashville. I get a visa to come, I ended up in Nashville. I didn't have any clue about life in America. What we knew was coming from movies. <laughs> so I was wondering if I have to be to stay here or go return back. God opened opened door for me. I get here four days later. I met a missionary who used to be a missionary in a refugee camp in Kenya. She gave me the address of my church. I go to First Press Nashville. I called the church. I was not speaking English. I grew up speaking French and our language. A friend, my friend who was hosting me, called the church. The church invited me for dinner. I ended up by living there. I get there after dinner. The church offered me a place to live. That's how the journey began. It took me two years and a half to bring my family here. And God used all friends, all churches, to support us, to give us a good adjustment and healing. I would say after the genocide, I mean healing was a big, big deal. So we, as Mark said it, I ended up in a Brentwood Academy following my friend who had a kid there, and I was asking, can I bring my kid here? So I went to Kenya before they came here. I didn't have any clue how expensive it is. <laughs> so I said, okay, 
As they were very polite and humble and kind, they said, oh, when they get here, bring them here. They came, so we ran there, said, the kids are here. What about the school? Three children. So God opened all, all kids get in. I was working with Jameson Bedding, making $6 an hour. Dreaming to have children brainwood with a wage of $60 an hour. So the guy opened doors, the kids get in, Brainwood Academy provided everything. That's how it started. So, and from there is when I began to work with refugees. So my job, my work now, I have a ministry called Legacy Mission Village. I came here as a refugees. I get really help from God's people to stay, to adjust, and to serve. And after my family, my family get here in August 2000. In December, we got four kids from Sudan. Have you heard about the lost boys from Sudan? That's when they started coming here. Four kids ended up here, Christ Community Church, hosted them from Nashville to Franklin. I can't tell you, the four kids, one is the manager of Kenyan Commercial Bank in Juba. He graduated in MTSU with a master's degree in math. The second one, he's a nurse at Vanderbilt. He has a, master, has a master's in hospital administration, and he has a nursing degree. We got 150 lost boys. I thought I was studying with four, and we got 150. Of 150, 123 graduate from college. So just what they needed is not money, is not staff. They needed friends. They came here, they get people around, and then they get they adjusted, they work the night, they go, they did GED class and then go to community college and then do their undergraduates and do all school. After the Sudanese, we got many refugees coming. Now we serve 23 countries. Talking about refugees with now the situation of immigrants. Refugees are legal permanent residents. They came here with the support of US government. After three months, they get here, and after three months, they are on their own. They get here, get where to live, and start working. They don't get really big jobs, they do labor work, and try to work hard to get where they can be. So they get here, Catholic Charities, World Reef before they closed, and another group called Nice. 
work with the government to get a place to live, to get them jobs, and leave them there. So legacy mission comes between. We help them to adjust. We provide all support that they can adjust. We provide English as a second language. We work for all generations. For little one, we have a kind of pre-K to train them to understand the school culture because the moms don't read for them. They don't have any training about school. And then we help the high school kids. The high school kids, when they came from refugee camp, wherever they came, Asia, Africa, we have some coming now from Latino countries. Wherever they came, they get here and go to school. They jump from second grade in elementary school to 10th grade. Depends of the ages, because it goes by age. So we help them to do homework and to catch up, to understand the school culture and the requirement. We have a special partnership with Overton High School. We need volunteers. You can help somebody to, to do math. Now we have many, we have a good group of retired teachers who come every Wednesday, Monday, I mean, from Monday to Thursday to help the kids to do their homework. So they do well. Last year, 20 graduates and they all went to college. This year, we have 17. They are all in, in a Nashville, Nashville state. So we had a good partnership with CPA, when the kids help other kids, it's really wonderful. You can send your children for the community service. They can come when they're applying for college, they can come do the community service with us, helping other kids to do the homework. And we serve adults. When we get here, it's mandatory to speak your language. You can't be a citizen when you don't know how to read, how to write, and how to speak English. So we help others for, to learn English. They have different levels. There are some who don't know how to read and write. We try to train them to know how, at least how to write their names. Wherever they came, they don't use a bank. They don't have banks there, they don't have money. So when they get here, it's mandatory to have a bank account. You can't get paid, you can't get your check if you don't have a bank account. And they have to sign, not to just writing a cross on paper, they have to at least write their names. We train them how to write their name. And from there, they learn how to speak the language and how to write other words. This is easy, all you speak English. Trying to tell somebody how to say this and this and this in your language is much easier. I just got one person here who speaks my language. Just one in the, all the assembly. So you can help anytime. We, for ESL, is Tuesday and Thursday, 10 to 12. 
and we have a citizenship class. Why citizenship class? After one year, when people get here, after one year, they have to get a green card. After green card, after five years, they have to be citizen. So when you get a green card, it's much easier. You fill out the form, you get it. To do citizenship class, they have to learn 100 questions, civics, geography, history, and you can't know which side the immigration officer will get the question, and you have to know how to communicate with him. So we need Americans to help them to understand the history. So we train them with all questions and how to read, how to write, and how to answer questions. That's much easier. We are open for that. Our office is on Lawrenceville Road. If you know where I used to be, Piggly Wiggly, Tuscarum Square, that's where is our office. So we work in the grocery center. So um, we have another special program every month we provide diapers for kids. So with Connection, we have a connect partnership with Nashville Diaper Connections. So they provide us 20,000 diapers. Every first Wednesday of the month, we give 20,000 diapers to babies. So we are open, and God is using all people, churches, friends, to come to serve neighbors. So why do we have these neighbors? If we go back to Leviticus, is, it, is God command us to love aliens as our own people. As a church, we have. So these people who fled to come here for peace and justice, they don't come here to get money. They need peace and justice, and you can help them to get it. So Beautifully Broken came out from the healing I get from here. I wonder if I stayed in Rwanda, what was going to happen to me? My mom and her two sisters fled from the home, I mean, they stay home when the genocide happened. My grandpa adopted a young girl, a baby. Her parents passed away. They were Hutus. My grandpa was a Tutsi and a chief. They took the girl to the house. When the genocide happened, this lady went to get my mom and her sisters for food. She said, OK, move to my house. It's safe. Do you know what happened? Her family turned to kill them. So my mom, her two sisters, and the nephew get killed by people we can call their own people, their sister and her family. 2011, I went back to Rwanda. It was a really hard time to be there. So I went to on my mom's grave and her sisters. When I was 
driving back to the city, I met my old mom friend. She's the one who told me what happened. So the night, I was not able to sleep. So I told my wife, I want to go to see my aunt. So my wife was not comfortable because in the, today, when you bring issues about your ethnic group or about genocide, you get trouble with the government. You can't touch anybody. You have to go through the government. So my wife was not comfortable. So oh, if you get there and react, we'll be in trouble. I said, no, I control myself. So we went there with gift. I met my aunt. She brought her family, especially the grandkids and the daughter-in-laws. We sat in her living room. I tried to get the story from her, how my mom died. She didn't want to get, she was not open to tell me anything. I tried different ways. And finally, I came. I, we, talked, we talked about our faith. She told me when she get baptized, who, who baptized her, whatever. So I said, okay, now, let me do something for you. I'm here to support you. I'm here to help you. You know well, you fed me. You know well, I was your son. So I took uh, water and washed her feet. <laughs> that changed her a lot. Not only her. Her daughter was Muslim. You know what? The next Sunday she went to church. She moved straight from being Muslim to Christianity. So that's how the story of the movie came. We were there with uh, our church, I mean, the group from First Press. We went on a mission trip. So I went back. They were asking me what happened, because before I went there, I told them where I'm going. So I told them the story. Randy is the chairman, chairman of our board. He's a chairman of our board. He's a neighbor and a friend. So. Randy was with us, that's how the story came and turned to be a movie. So I don't have to take much time, you have questions, but uh, thank you for having me and I would like to invite you to support Legacy Mission Village. Come Lily volunteer with us, we have a banquet on September 26th in three weeks at the Holy Family Catholic Church near the Crockett Park. So you are invited after, after we finish, you can take a card and fill it out and you are invited to come to join us. You are invited to pray for us and you are invited to know your neighbor, especially refugees who are here. Thank you so much. He said, do you have any questions? And 
we got a few minutes, don't we, Wes? So uh, I have a question for you. You said a million people. I think Metro Nashville is just a shade over a million people. So when I started thinking about that, that put it in perspective. So my question would be, what was a typical day like in those hundred days with you and your family? I don't know how to say it. In those days, we were ready to go. We had neighbors dying. We had a friend dying. So we cleaned ourselves to go. Unfortunately, it didn't happen, unfortunately. So every day, we were expecting to die. And we, 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 got, we had three temptations. One, the guys who want to shoot us didn't. They came, took us out, and when we were asking, harassing us, a bomb came and killed some people just a few minutes few meters from where we were. They ran, we went, we went back. That's how we survived. So you can see it in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, did, what did you learn about prayer during that time? At that time, we lived by prayer. We didn't have food, we didn't have water, we didn't have anything, just hiding and stacked there, so we prayed. I wonder if I can do it today the same way. So that sounds like about eight hours of prayer per day. 24. Oh, 24. 24. <laughs> How many have prayed 24 hours total in your life? You know, it's, uh, I mean, pretty heavy, pretty heavy. Any questions? How'd you become a Christian? So um, I was born just a few feet from the mission field. And in 1970s, we get huge revival in high schools. That's how really we came to be. We were Christian. We get born again. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Okay. Any others? Well, I got a question for you. How many of you? Oh, Steve. Uh, is politics. Yes, we have ethnic groups, but politicians use it for their advantage. Because my dad and my mom were from different tribes. They didn't fight because they are Hutu and Tutsis. But when politics want to take power, they use tribes. So in America, when you see our politics, do you have any concern about uh... Uh, To tell you the truth, um, we pray about it, but see how far you are, 200 years ahead of other politics. So you are mature, you know what you do, and you do it for the purpose of serving the country. Okay. 
other questions? We serve almost 12,000 people. I mean, everybody who comes to us, we try to, to help. So we answer all questions. We have programs, but we have some people, somebody can't apply for 10 care, somebody don't know what to do with school questions. So we serve 12,000 people. William, do you have any um, tough time dealing with people that come in our country in a way that's not the way the refugees come in? Does that bother you? Does it make you angry? We don't. We don't. We don't. I don't have much chance to meet these people, and it can't make me angry because I know what it is. I know what means to be hungry. I know what means to be persecuted. I know what means. I mean, is a big is a big human. It's a hum, big human feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thanks for your honesty there. I have a question for the group. How many of you drive? Oh, we got a question over here. Yeah. I always say, you love and Christianity. Because I have been different cultures. I fled Rwanda to Kenya. We didn't get the same welcome and hospitality. So we appreciate, we appreciate a lot your hospitality and how you love other people. I would say you need you need to pray more. Don't take your faith as accomplished. Yeah, we need to work more on that. So my question for you, how many of you drive a pickup truck? Okay, I want you to be watching for us. We're bicyclists together. We ride every Saturday morning, and uh, we wear spandex shorts, <laughs> and uh, kind of like these. And uh, there seems to be a correlation between trucks, spandex, and coming close to us. When you say William, <laughs> so we need uh, we need your grace. We don't want to get hit by truck or car. And uh, but William, I have one question for you for our closing prayer. I'm serious on that. We're out there. 20, 30 miles, and we pray every day, every brighter, time. Right, William? Brighter pants. You need to wear brighter pants. That's right. But, William, what would you say uh, should should men in here get their shingles shot? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, thank you for asking the question. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> you know, I... Uh, God blessed me with really good health. I didn't get sick. Even I went through all this stuff. God supported me not to be sick. But last January, I got shingles. That was the worst. 
illness I get. Since I, yeah. So you had it for how many months? Oh, almost eight. Right. So single shots, you got to have single shots. So anyway. Okay, let's uh, let's close it. Thank you for sharing, William. Thank you for your service to the Lord in uh, in America, and we're grateful for you. We, it's unbelievable. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for your friendship. So Lord, we want to thank you. Uh, we see that you are loving, you're powerful, you're sovereign. You take things that are very ugly and very broken, very painful, tragic, and somehow you you do what you promise. You work things together for good for those who love you, and according to your love you and according to your purposes, called according to your purposes. We see William as a very clear example in that. Randy and his family and the other family and. We just see your hand at work, that tapestry of bringing about your purposes. Lord, I pray for each of us. We've all had tragedies in our life, and may they be used for your glory and your honor, and it would be used to draw people to yourself. I pray for uh, the ministry that William heads up, uh, the Legacy Village Ministry. I pray, Lord, you would bless that a hundredfold. You'd bring in many volunteers. Touch guys' lives in here that would step up and be volunteers to help somebody read, help them become a citizen, whatever you have. So, Lord, may we join this team, which is your team, to do kingdom work here in Middle Tennessee, and we'll give you the glory and the honor and the praise. Amen. You've been listening to the New Canaan Society podcast for the Franklin, Tennessee chapter. Remember to check out Harrington Interactive Media and get your book to print. They edit, package, and help you put your book on Amazon if you're an author, organization, or a publisher. That's harringtoninteractive.com. 